All right. Anybody excited about the word this morning? Come on. Let's press in. Press in. Press in. Lean. Get onto the edge of your seat and press in. Get excited. God's got a word to share with you today. Listen, if you've just been visiting for the last couple of weeks, you have not met our associate pastor yet. And so I just wanted to introduce him to you. A lot of people get us confused because we've been ministering together for such a long time. We look so much alike. And um, so I just wanted to differentiate so you know it's not me. But please welcome our associate, Pastor Gary. Thank you. Okay, okay, okay. But it's good to be back. I was in um, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'm not going to complain about this weather. It was 118 degrees. It was, it was so hot. I had a candy bar in my pocket just from the car to the house, and it was all liquid by the time I got there. So we're not going to complain about the little rain right after that. And I, I met um, a couple there in Oklahoma, and I was asking the wife how she met her husband. And she told me that she actually had a glass eye. See, Gretchen looks like she don't believe this story. This, this is, this is going to hit it. This she said that she had a glass eye, and one day in the restaurant it popped out. And, and the guy that was going to be her husband, he picked it up and gave it back to her. And then they, they met, they dated, they got married. And they says, well, what was it about him that attracted you? She says, well, I guess he just caught my eye. Well, as long as you got that camera there, I'm going to play to the camera. So. so if you can turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 15. And I'm going to go to verse 11. This is the parable of the prodigal son. Starting in verse 11, this is what's called a parable. A parable is a story that Jesus told that taught a truth. So it's, it, he wasn't telling a story that really happened, but, but it's a fictional story that's designed to teach us something. So verse 11, Luke 15, verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. See, Jesus presents this as a story between a, a, a loving father and a son who says, I don't want to live here anymore. 
you give me the money, you give me my inheritance. And he just left the father's house. He went out to the world. And the word prodigal, we call it the prodigal son, because the word prodigal, it means to be recklessly wasteful and extravagant. He took all he had and he wasted it. He wasted the next years. He said, I'm not going to follow. These rules are too hard. I don't want to follow this anymore. I want, I want to be free. He went out into the world into wild living, drinking women. And that's what the story is about. It's not just about a, a father and a son, but it's about God the Father and those in the church who used to walk with God, those in the church who at one time used to come and praise God and love the Word, and one day decided, I don't want these rules anymore. I want to be my own person and just gives it all up and just walks away. And that's what this story is about. But what happened to this son is that when he went into that wild, free living, he came to a place of having nothing. He came to a place of famine because the father was no longer with him. I've seen it hundreds of times in my years as a Christian, as a pastor. Those who took the gifting of God, the blessings of God, the things that, that they had learned, the wisdom, the blessing, and take it and go leave the church, leave God, and just go out into the world and live their own way. And this is what happens. What happened to this son that he came into a famine, he lost everything, it didn't work. If you leave God, that's what happens. I've seen it play out again and again. And it's not because God doesn't love you, but sometimes God's got to wait for you to hit rock bottom. Do you know how many of the, today's rock stars and, and musicians grew up in church? They used to just like this, used to play worship music. They, they used to love to sing to God. And then one day they said that the money caught their eye, the fame. And they said, I, I don't want this anymore. I'm going out into the world. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Christians playing secular music. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all those who gave up on God for the fame, for the fortune. And every one of them hit a famine. Every one of them hit the place. This isn't going to work. And I just pray that everyone, over every one of you, that if you ever decide to walk away from God, that it ain't going to work, that you're going to hit a brick wall. <laughs> I bless you with that. You know why? Because I found it ain't worth it. Do you, do you have any idea how many young women and young men that I've known that had a beautiful calling on their life, a beautiful ministry? They, they walked in their gifts, and all of a sudden, oh, this guy, he doesn't go to church, but he's not like all the rest. He's exactly like all the rest. Will you stop listening to that junk? 
And then you know what the guy's going to say after a few weeks? Do you have to go to church every week? Because he, he might start showing up with you, you know, just to placate you. I've seen this over and over and over, just like this prodigal son. Oh, he's, he's not like the rest of them. He's different. But why does it always end up the same? It always ends up in failure. Because God has the one for you. And the one that God has for you is going to cherish the spirit that God gave you. He's going to cherish the gifting in you. He's not going to pull you away from the things of God. You, you, you can chase money, women, and it's all going to lead to nothing. I'm telling you now. How do I know? I've seen it over and over. Do you know that Britney Spears, that she grew up in church, that she at one time, was a, when she was a teenager, she, she publicly made, made a vow like a lot of the youth do, that, that she was not going to have sex until she got married. That one time she loved God and worshipped God until fame started to call her. She started to hear the call of the world. She started to meet all kind of non-Christian men. And they began to bring her down until she got caught up in, in drugs and failure and jail. It plays out over and over. But you know, God's after Britney Spears that I read today in the paper that she came into a church and answered an altar call and she stood in the front of the church weeping before God because God's not going to give up. See, he's going to respect your decision. He'll, he'll keep on hounding you. He'll keep on drawing you. But he's, he's going to wait. You see, God gives us free will. You, you can choose right now to walk out the door. Say, oh, these rules are too hard. God doesn't want me to have a good time. Look at the world. Look at all that fun out there. But you know what happens when you do that? Do you know that you break his heart? That God has emotions? See, we don't think of him like that. We think of him just as a spirit somewhere, but we're created in his image, and he's got the same emotions that you have. And do you know that when you walk away from him, it's like a, son, a father losing his son? Do you know that it, may, it causes him to grieve, and he'll weep, and he'll grieve over you? And he, he'll wait until you come back, because here's the next part of the story. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to feed his, fill his stomach with the parts that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am far starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Do you see the heart of the father? That you can be in rebellion. You can go out there and stink up the name of Jesus, tell people I'm a Christian and lay drunk in the street. You can embarrass God. You can hate him. But as soon as you come to your senses and you decide, you determine in your heart, I'm tired of living with the pigs. I'm tired of failure. I'm tired of all this junk. And it will happen. If, if you leave God, what does it say? He saw his son in the distance and he came running and he grabbed him and he kissed him. The son who, who took all his money and wasted it. The same, the same son who made the father a laughing stock. Because back then, if you did something like that, it reflected on the father. If somebody was a failure, a womanizer, it affected the father's name. But God the Father, he doesn't care. He only, he's after your heart. He loves you so much that in every time you fail, every time you walk away, he cries over you. He weeps over you. And his arms are wide open. See, back then in history, it was embarrassing in the Middle Eastern culture for a father to go run after the son. The father was a man of great authority. You went to the father, but do you see the love? He said, I don't care what anyone thinks. That's my son. That's my daughter, and they're coming home. But there was something strange about it. There was no lecture, no probation. He didn't say, well, I'm going to beat up the son for six months and then restore him. The minute he walked in, total restoration, total acceptance, total love. Now, now sometimes this, this is a story that shows the heart of God. So I just want to give a disclaimer. There are times when you're a parent, especially with older kids, and they're out taking drugs, messing up, and they just want to walk back in the door and keep doing it. There's times that love has to be tough. There's times you've got to say no. Sometimes it's love to say, you're not living in my house. But that's not what this is speaking about. This is speaking about a son who had come to his senses. And he said, I'm coming back to the father's house. And maybe there's some of you here today. Maybe you've wandered far from God. And you know what God's saying? With outstretched arms, welcome home. You are welcome in the house of God. Maybe you've murdered. Maybe you've sold drugs. You've been in crack houses. Welcome home. Maybe you've taken the money God blessed you with. You wasted it. Maybe, maybe you, you, you messed up God's name as a Christian, as a pastor. You failed. 
Welcome home. That's the love of the Father. You don't have to prove anything to God. He's just waiting. Every time you fall, every time you fail, you don't have to go through a probation period with God. As soon as you come back to Him, He'll run to you. He's waiting for you. You've got to know what the true heart of the Father is. You see, I, I served God for years. As a Christian, even doing ministry, and I didn't know the heart of the Father. I always thought God was disappointed in me. I thought he was angry. I, I never knew who God was for many years, even serving God. I thought, I'll never please God. I'll never be able to do enough to earn his love, his favor. And look at this story. The story says... That you don't have to do anything to earn his love. He loves you. Even, listen to this. Even in your immaturity. Even when you haven't got it together yet. You bring pleasure to the heart of the Father. Do you know when he thinks about you, it gives him pleasure in his heart. You bring joy to him even, even when you're struggling. And you know why? Because that man will sit and point fingers and judge you. They'll notice all that. But God looks at the heart and he sees the love you have for him. He sees your desire to move ahead and he's proud of you. Don't believe lies about who God is, that you've got to prove something, that God's love is great, but you've got to earn it. it. It's free. I'm going to go down to uh, verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. See, he was repentant. He was broken before God. That's how we got to come to God. When, we, when he sees a broken heart, when he sees true sorrow, he will, the Bible says he will not despise it. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Look what he did. He put the robe on him. Do you know what the Bible says a robe represents? Righteousness. Holiness. Do you know that no matter what you've done, you might be the biggest mess up in the history of the Bronx. You, you might have a long police record. You might have the worst reputation there is. And when you come to the Father, He takes away your filthy rags and He clothes you with the robe of righteousness. That you are the purity, the righteousness of God. Right now, even if today's your worst day that you ever had with Jesus, 
Even today, even you can come in, I messed up, I failed today. Even today, when God looks at you, he sees you as pure and holy because of what Jesus did for you. Then he put the ring back on his finger. See, when he left the home, he had to give back the ring. The the ring symbolizes the authority of, of being in the family. And when you come to God, he puts a ring on your finger. There's, there's power in your words, authority in your prayers. You have authority over every work of the enemy, over every wall that stands against you. Because of the authority, you command that hindrance, that blockage to move in Jesus' name. And then it said that he put sandals on his feet. Sandals symbolize walking in God's purpose and destiny. He totally restored him. He gave him back his destiny. God gave back his ministry. That's God. Total restoration. In in Zephaniah 3.17 It says, For the Lord your God has arrived to live among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will rejoice over you with great gladness with his love. He will calm all your fears. He will exult over you by singing a happy song. In other words, do you know that God celebrates you? That's how much he loves you. There's a party in heaven every day over you, over your life. Don't think of God as this angry guy that that can't wait to hit you over the head. You think of the nicest, most wonderful, kindest person you ever met and multiply that times a billion, and that's who God is. I'm sorry how how the church of Jesus Christ has misrepresented the heart of God, but that's how much he loves his people. It, it says in the book of John that the Father loves you with the same love that he loves Jesus with. And I want to give you an example. I'm going to ask Adrian to come. She didn't want to just say the testimonies, so she wrote it down. It's a short testimony. But, but I believe it speaks about the heart of the Father. So let's welcome Adrian. Thank you. Good morning. I wrote it down because I didn't want to stumble on my words. Growing up Lutheran, I was... Like this? Growing up Lutheran, I was taught to know who Jesus was and all the great miracles he had done for so many biblical people of the Bible. Okay. Closer? Start again. <laughs> Growing up Lutheran, I was taught to know who Jesus was and all the great miracles he had done for so many biblical people of the Bible. But I wasn't taught to have a relationship with him. Therefore, I lacked awareness that these same miracles he had done in the past, he still does today. So I overlooked so many times that he has worked miracles and talked to me in my life. He had saved me from time he had saved me time after time from death 
death by my hands and the hands of others from suicidal thoughts, car accidents, and a jealous rage from an ex-boyfriend's girlfriend that could have ultimately been the end of my demise, just to name a few. Unaware that it was truly he that took me from the grips of the devil, I took all that he has done for me and passed it off as just one of those things and thank God in vain, as so many of us do. Never really believing that it was God's grace that I'm alive. The truth is, at this time of my life, I really didn't care if I lived or died. Depression clouded my judgment of my own life. Then in 2004, from one day to the next, I found myself ill and unable to breathe. Doctors didn't know what it was. There was no sign of anything that would make me feel this way. They said it was just my head because I was depressed. Grasping for my next breath, I crawled into the hospital. There they believed that I had, what I had was a pulmonary infection. No bacteria could be found in my throat, no dark shades on my x-rays that would indicate a true pneumonia. But because my health was deteriorating and fast, they categorized it as a pulmonary infection, and I didn't think I would make it past two, they didn't think I would make it past two weeks if things didn't turn around for me. With IVs in my arms and oxygen tubes over, <clears throat> over my mouth and nose, I became aware that only God can save me now. So in between breaths, I cried out to the Lord and Savior and pleaded to him for the first time. I don't want to die. I want to live. That, that night, two nurses took turns in my ICU room, holding my hands, praying for me all night long. I never saw those angels again. Two weeks later, after crawling into the hospital, breathing my last breath, I walked out breathing new life, a new awareness that Jesus is and has always been with me. Where I felt lost, I am now found. Where I felt doomed, I now feel blessed. Where I felt no purpose for my life, I, can now, I cannot help but not to feel like there is a reason for, my, for, my, for me living. I give all the glory to God. They say she, her heart was far from God. She was never serious about God. The enemy attacked her. And then one day she said yes, laying there in the hospital bed. And God heard her cry. He ignored all the years of rebellion, all, all the years when, when she ran from him. And in that one second, he came into that hospital room and healed her. He came running to Adrian. That, that's who God is. That, that's the heart of the Father. And not only does he love you, but he's got power to change you, to heal your diseases. Every sickness, every depression, he has the power to change your financial situation, to restore your mind, your heart. But you've got to say yes to him. The world's got nothing for you out there. Believe me, I know I've been out there long enough when I was young. I got many wasted years like this guy that I wish I could take back. But, 
There's one more character in this story, which is the older brother. So I'm going to read now um, from verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what is going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found. That older brother is one of the saddest characters in the whole Bible. While the father was rejoicing, the older brother was mad because now the attention wasn't on him anymore. See, he represents what were called in Jesus' days the Pharisees. A few weeks ago, Pastor George preached a sermon, religious but not right with God. Well, that was the Pharisees. They did all the religious stuff. They worked hard. They sat in the synagogue. They prayed on the corners. They wore beautiful robes. They read long books. They knew the word of God by heart. But inside, they were angry, bitter people. They hate celebration. They hate dancing. You better thank God for this church. You know how many churches I go to, even in the nations? Oh, we don't dance here. You you can't do all that. You can't be jumping around. We're the older brother. That's what you call the religious spirit. You want a name for him? Why are you letting those people in this church? Why why can this person minister? Look what he did. Why is that person preaching? They said, and they got labels for everyone. In the meantime, the father took the son, restored him. But these are people that hate that. They just point the finger, point the finger. How many of you have met those people through the years? Well, I'll tell you something. I'd rather be the rebellious son than the unrighteous judge. Because here's what I believe. I I believe that 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 it's Christians like this older brother that have driven more people out the door of churches than anything the world can do. Do you know how many people I meet that used to go to church, but they were hurt by being judged by angry words. They were told, you can't dance. You can't do this. Don't wave any banners. We don't want that here. You just have to keep working, and it's all drudgery and difficulty. There's no joy. I don't want that. Who Do you want that kind of religion? 
That's that older brother. See, he was mad because he wasn't getting the, the feast. In other words, what about me? See, that, that, if you're operating under the Spirit, it's always about you. You need all the glory, all the attention on you. It's all about him. It's all about God. Let's say we've done this before. We've done it in the membership classes. But I'm going to do it again. I, I, I just want to say on behalf of the church, on behalf of pastors that you've known through the years, that I'm sorry for overlooking your gifts. I'm, I'm sorry for, for stealing your joy, for pointing fingers at you, for judging you, for sp- gossiping against you. By using the word of God to hit you over the head instead of blessing you. I, I, I just want to say I'm sorry on behalf of the church because that's not who God was. I'm sorry that God has been distorted and misrepresented to you by the older brother. Maybe, maybe you came to God and people mocked you. Maybe you started to have too much fun in church. Oh, you can't have rap music. Oh, you can't have that music. You can't. I've gotten beat up through the years so many times. Oh, why are you putting rap music on Sundays at one time in the church? Oh, I never heard the old one time Jamaican music. Oh, that's demonic. You hear those beats. What beats does the devil own? The devil doesn't own any beats, right, Bert? We took it, we take it all back. But see, that older brother syndrome says, don't have too much fun in church. Don't have too much joy. Don't laugh. You can't fall on the floor. You can't, everything's got to be set nice, all it wrapped up in a package because it might reflect bad on someone. That's not what God is all about. You, you need to know the real God, the real Father. He's a Father to the fatherless. He loves you. He accepts you. I, 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 want, I want Hector to come. Today's his last Sunday with us for a while. But I, and Hector hasn't had a natural father around to watch over him, to impart into him. I want to ask you, what, what's kept you on fire all these times? Uh, really, it's just really uh, just diving deep into him. When I, uh, uh, I, I look back in my life and I see like, wow, you know, there's, all, there's so many life and death circumstances, you know, where I was almost kidnapped, almost shot. I was in between, you know, these two people shooting each other, and I was in between that. I didn't die, you know, and I grew up without a father, so I had this bad orphan, you know, view of a, of a father. You know, I thought father sucked and everything, but I realized what freed me from my fatherlessness is a being one. You know, we complain about not having a father, but I really realized that, 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 being free from that is taking leadership and ownership and being, you know what, I didn't have a father, but I want to be a father in somebody else's life and, 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 and look to serve other people. You know, that's the apostolic ministry is serving others and, and doing for others and everything like that. You want to be great, you got to get low. And so, so I just, I just oh, wholeheartedly, I saw that, you know, even when I was in the world and everything, uh, you know, I felt 
all my life, since I was a little kid, it was just like, you know, outcasted. I felt uh, uh, like totally separated. I tried to fit in, but I felt like I couldn't. You know, God, I, I really feel like it was my father who kept me from dying. It was my father who kept me from being kidnapped. And it was my father who kept me from being aborted because the day before I was supposed to be aborted, my mom was supposed to have a procedure. God allowed it in a way that she would see me in, in the sonogram or whatever it's called, and she would decide to not have the abortion. The very next day, she would have aborted me. So I believe, you know, when I look back, and I'm like, wow, and I just have this all gratefulness, and I'm like, I, I, you know, I, I want to, you know, you know, let's revolutionize the church and let's get a break out of complacency. I was just, I just went wholeheartedly after God. You know, I just wanted to be like Him and just be with Him, and it was just really just practicing in His presence. You know, I can't really, you know, it was being here and having fathers, but I really have to say that it was just me, myself, and God. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, uh, calling, you know, it was calling people when fathers, you know, my, uh, the, you know, my spiritual fathers like, you know, Gary and Merck and, and, and you know, Alu and everybody. It, it was that, but, you know, there's going to be a time and place where you can't rely so much on man and you can't be a leech and suck up on their blood. And I was like, God, I want to grow up already, like how Gary says, and I want to actually get into this and, you know, Stop hungering for attention because I was thirsty for it. I was thirsty for attention. I was thirsty for all these things because I didn't have a daddy and everything. But you know what? It was just like, you know what? This attention that I'm driving it and channeling it towards other people, I'm going to channel it towards him and, and, and be like, you know what? I'm not going to look for my identity in another woman because I know when I, being a father, you know, you know, being fatherless really kind of made me like rely on women and everything like that. But really... Diving deep into his presence and everything really found my identity where I didn't need to rely on a woman to, to uh, you know, assure my manhood. You know, I'm a man with or without a woman and everything. So I don't care. It's just I got God. I got he's my father, you know, and, and you know, it's just he's I'm his son. And, you know, it's stupid to say, you know, you got a you got a, 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 a you know, you've got. You know, a mother, and I, it's dumb for me to say, you know, oh, my mother's not my mother. I, you know, part of her DNA is just embedded in me and everything because she gave birth to me. It's the same thing with God. You know, it's just not trying. You know, that I, I, I kind of got into that religious thing where was, I had to work to please him. I had to work and do all these things, and I found my identity in my works rather than him. And my works didn't come from my identity. I found my works in my identity. And I tried to do all these things. I tried to fast. I tried to pray and everything without realizing that it's just his pleasure, his, his delight in me and knowing who, what his finished work. Like, you know, what, uh, what, what uh, uh, Pastor George was talking about, the finished work of Christ, you know. It was, I was just like, Lord, it's your finished work. And from that place, I just birthed, you know. Everything that you guys see today in me is just just, uh, uh, the, you know, meditate on the finished work of Christ and just loving Daddy God and everything. And just, I encourage you all to love Daddy God and everything. And, 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 and you will find power and relationship and intimacy with him. And you won't need to, you'll be fully satisfied. My mom says, you will be fully satisfied. You know, if whether you got a woman or not, you will be fully satisfied in your father. And so, yeah, let me put this away because I How many of you believe if God did it for Hector, he can keep you? That, that you, you can have the same victory. Even if you're all alone, you don't have anybody to help you. 
But right there in the midst of your loneliness, there's a father who loves you. So I'm going to ask um, Melissa is going to come wherever she is. Oh, here she comes. Can you help me move? Let's just focus on the Father right now. It doesn't matter how far away you are. Maybe, maybe you've wandered away from God. Or maybe, maybe you're a Christian and even today you feel a separation. Whatever it is, Melissa is going to minister to you right now.
Amen. I'm going to ask if everyone could stand right now. And and we're going to play that song again. But but before we play it, I I just want to ask, maybe there's some other people today like me. See, I'm here today. I'm standing up here preaching. And I need to know the love of the Father today. See, I I can't make it even through one day because I'm always hearing that voice of the older brother. Oh, you're not good enough. You're not going to make it. I I need to know even today that, that there's a father who loves me. And if there's any of you and you're, and you're saying like me, I want to know the love of the Father. I, I want to come to Him. I, I'm going to come down here. And I, I'm going to ask, just come and join me today. Let's just just let that song minister to you again.
else, wherever you are right now, you're saying, I'm coming to the Father's house. Just lift your hand to heaven right now. You're saying, I'm coming home. Father, Father, I pray right now, Lord God, for each one. We say, welcome home. Welcome home in Jesus' name. Welcome to the kingdom of heaven. 
I, I just decree over you that every sin is forgiven. That guilt is washed away. Just let it go right now. And I silence the voice of that older brother in your head, that church person from your past that told you you weren't good enough. Why couldn't you be like everybody else? Who do you think you are? And I say that you are you are victorious. You are restored today. Just receive restoration. Uh, at first I was thinking, let's go pray for people. But the Lord showed me that when the Father is in the house and people are coming back to the Father, we're going to kill the fatted calf right now and we're going to celebrate. So I'm calling forth the dancers. Where are the dancers? Come forth right now. You see, the doctor told me I can't jump up and down anymore because I got arthritis in my foot. And he said it might lead to a man. 